could you use some help in the diligence department? Sometimes we all need a pep talk to keep from faltering when the going gets tough. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares some encouragement to help make diligence a habit that's part of a healthy and growing spiritual life. From the series, Everything You Need, here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Muscular Faith. Well, that's a good thing for me to begin with and ask you this question. Is your faith muscular? I know you have faith. If you've trusted Christ, you had to have faith because you can't have Christ without faith. But I'm not talking about saving faith here. I'm talking about living faith. Faith to face every day in the power of Christ and uh, no matter what comes, to diligently move forward in your walk with Him. Diligence is a long-lost virtue in so many lives today. We only want to do the things that are easy, but the Christian life is not a walk in the park. It's a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ following the Holy Spirit, but it's a walk that requires diligence, and we're talking about that yesterday and then again today. Tomorrow and Thursday, our subject will be moral excellence, and then on Friday, the first of two lessons on mental focus. This series is called Everything You Need. It's based upon a book that I wrote several years ago. We have the book and the study guide available. If you'd like to have it, you can go to our website, davidjeremiah.org, and you can order it there and have it shipped right to your own home. But the resource for this month is The Mediterranean Sea Rules by Robert J. Morgan. This 152-page gift book is a wonderful presentation of 10 God-given strategies to help you get through the storms of life. Rob always writes with that kind of encouragement. He's one of my best friends. have great respect for him and his biblical knowledge and uh, his determination to make God's book really come alive. And this is one of those books that does that. It's not a long book. It's a little book, but it's a little book that's going to have a great big impact on your life. So take some time and send your gift to Turning Point during the month of February. And when you do so, ask for The Mediterranean Sea Rules by Robert J. Morgan. Here is part two of The Muscular Faith. Now, let me explain to you what the word ad means. You know, it's only three letters, A-D-D, ad. Add to your faith virtue. Now, I'm going to tell you how this works in the passage. And listen carefully, because you've got to put your thinking cap on for this. In the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, Peter gives us a list of eight things. He says, seeing that these things are true, for this very reason, using all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, to your self-control, perseverance, to your perseverance, godliness, to your godliness, brotherly love, to your brotherly love, love. And then the Bible says, if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, go back through this list with me and watch what's missing in the text. He says, brothers and sisters, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue, knowledge, to your knowledge, self What's missing? The little word add. It's understood, but it's not present. So the little word add is only in the text one time, but it's understood to be in there six times because it's the missing word in the way Peter describes it. Add to this and to this and to this, but the word add would normally be in the text. Are you with me? Everybody got that? Well, you say, why is that important? It's important because the word add is an incredible word. It's the word choreagos in the Greek language, and here's what it means. During the Greek days, when they would have a play, 
And the Greeks were famous for their major plays. These weren't financed. They didn't sponsor. So they would go out into the community and they would find somebody who was uh, entrepreneurial in their lifestyle and had a lot of money. And they would call these people together and they would ask this certain person, will you sponsor our play? Will you pay for this? Will you gather the chorus and will you get all of the accoutrements for the play? Will you underwrite our play? They would find somebody to do this. And it was a real honor for a person of wealth to be able to do that. So Sometimes they would get two and they would play them against each other. They would say, I bet he can do this better than you can. And then they'd compete to see who could come up with the most lavish provision for a Greek play. The word that describes that is the little word add. And what that means is that when the Bible tells us we're to add to our faith virtue, we're not just to give it a lick and a promise. (laughs) We're to lavishly give ourselves to the process of developing that virtue in our lives. Add to it. Just like a man would go out and sponsor a play without any restrictions. Throw yourself into this thing with all you've got and add to your faith virtue and add to your virtue knowledge and all through the list. That's what the word add means. Isn't that interesting that one little three-letter word could have all of that content in it and that great illustration? It's a wonderful picture of what God expects of us in our Christian life. To me, that's the heart of diligence. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Now, I want to explain what a diligent life is all about. And I must confess, these are my favorite verses in the Bible. I love these verses. When I was a young man, everybody else had a light verse, and so I got some too. I got these life verses from Colossians. And I want to just help you see how this works as it outlines what diligence is all about. Colossians three twenty three and 24. Here's what those verses say. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Now, this will help us understand what it means to develop the habits of diligence. So we're going to take these one at a time. Number one, how do you develop the habits of diligence? I'm going to ask you to look in some different directions. First of all, I want you to look around. Here's what the text says. Whatever you do, whatever you do, what has outside of whatever. (laughs) Nothing lives outside of whatever. Everything's included in whatever, right? It's all in there. I call the first habit, look around because diligence is a lifestyle. And Colossians 3.23 begins with these words, whatever you do, and that covers a vast territory of activity. It means that nothing falls outside of this instruction to the believer. We're not just to do certain things with diligence. We're to live lives of diligence. This is to be a lifestyle of ours. Whatever you do, do it this way. It's not just about spiritual habits or religious routines. It's not just about our life at church. It's about everything. We as believers who have been given so much by God ought to live our lives on the edge of adventure every day and give God everything we have. That's how we should live. That's God's goal for us. If you read the entire third chapter of Colossians where these verses are found, you will discover that these verses are right in the section 
of a context of husbands, wives, children, fathers, bond servants. So impressive is that to me. Because that means that my diligence isn't just about when I go to church. It's not just about when I'm studying the Bible, when I'm preaching. It's the way I'm supposed to live my life all the time. Now, you can't live, you know, 100 miles an hour all the time. You burn out in a week or so. But you can live your life with this sense of urgency and diligence in all that you do. You can't just switch it on and switch it off. You can't say, oh, it's Sunday. It's time to be diligent. <laughs> you know? No, you have to be diligent in the way you live. And once you do that, it becomes a part of who you are. And most of you know what I'm talking about. You have some project in your life that just seems overwhelming. You look at it and it's like a huge mountain. And you say to yourself, how am I ever going to get over that mountain? Let me tell you how you get over there. One step, one day, one determination, one bit of obedience to the Lord, one at a time. That's diligence. Martin Luther King put it this way. I love this statement from Martin Luther King. He said, if it falls your lot to sweep streets in life, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Amen. That's what diligence is all about. So I'm not just talking about downloading all of these blessings and doing them with diligence. I'm trying to speak for a diligent life. Can you imagine what would happen in the body of Christ if all God's people got diligent about their faith and it worked in them every day? We compartmentalize our faith, don't we? That's what we do on Sunday. The rest of the time we do other things. But that's not the way the early Christians lived. Their job was an add-on to their real ministry, which was to live for Christ. That's what I hope we can begin to see happen. And if we don't see it happen, a lot of things are going to be different in our world than they are right now. One of the things that's happened at Shadow Mountain over the last several years is we have been given churches all throughout the part where San Diego is. Most of them are Southern Baptist churches like ours. Most of them have dwindled down to four or five people coming every week. They don't want the facilities to be used to build condominiums, so they give them to us. We hang a screen up in there, and I preach to these people every week. We have a pastor there, and these churches are growing and being revitalized. But what a sad story that is, that so many churches are going out of business. So many churches are closing their doors. I could give you the statistics, but they're so depressing, I don't want to mention them. But one of the reasons for that is that we as believers, if we're not careful, we just sort of float along. We just sort of go along with what's happening. And God has called us to a different way of life. You say, well, I'm the only one in my church. Well, be the best only one you can be. Make a difference, whoever sees you. Amen? Well, so that's the first step. Look around. If you look around, you will see whatever you do. Here's the second step. Look within. Paul wrote to the Colossians, whatever you do, do it heartily. Looking within means that you ask yourself, what does my motivation look like? What does it mean to do something heartily? Well, it means to do it with all your heart. Do you know what it means to do something half-heartedly? I remember growing up, my mother used to make us make our beds before we went to school. That's the best illustration of a half-hearted thing I can remember that I did. <laughs> Whatever you want to call that, it wasn't making the bed, but it was meant to look like it. 
Do you know that in the New Testament, there are three possible temperatures for your heart? First of all, there's the cold heart. Matthew 24, 12 describes the people of the last days as those whose love shall wax cold. And then in Revelation chapter 3, you read about the people who have a heart that's lukewarm. Writing to the church at Laodicea, the Lord described his disdain for a half-lived life. He said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Those are the words of God. And then there's the burning heart. Luke 24 tells us that two disciples talked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and they described their experience with him like this. Did not our heart burn within us when he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? A cold heart, a lukewarm heart, a burning heart. Which one describes you? One of the most motivational books that I've read in recent years is a book called Grit. G-R-I-T. It's not a Christian book. But the author, Angela Duckworth, decided to do a study to find out whether giftedness or passion was the major reason that people succeed. And she did this study. And I love the book because it's full of stories, great stories of people who live their life with passion. And the stories chronicle what people are willing to sacrifice People who don't even know the Lord, they're willing to sacrifice so much to achieve their dreams. For instance, I read about this swimmer whose name is Rowdy Gaines. Rowdy Gaines tabulated how much practice it took to develop the stamina, the technique, the confidence, and the judgment to win an Olympic gold medal. And he did this during an eight-year period leading up to the 1984 Games. He swam in increments of 50-yard laps at least 20,000 miles. Of course, if you add in the years before and after, the odometer goes even higher. But I'll never forget the statement that he made. He said, I swam around the world for a race that lasted 49 seconds. And I want to pose a question to all of us who are followers of Christ. If diligence would drive a man to swim around the world to prepare for a race that lasted 49 seconds... What kind of diligence should we be striving for with eternity as our goal? I think I hear the Apostle Paul saying, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Look around, whatever you do. Look within, do it heartily. And then look above as to the Lord. The real secret to developing diligence in your life is to realize that you don't serve people, you serve God. And you serve the Lord, not men. This is a recurring theme in Paul's letters, if you read them carefully. He constantly is reminding of this, like in Romans 14. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. Or Colossians 3:17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. If we would just really comprehend the fact that when we go out to do our duty, to do our thing that God has called us to do, we're really doing it before an audience of one. We're not doing it before the audiences of people around us. You know, some of them are going to like it and some of them aren't. I found that a long time ago. If you're a pastor of a church the size I have and you're trying to please everybody, good luck. (laughs) I get notes every week that are put in the offering bag. 
And they aren't always saying, oh, we love you, pastor. We love you. They're about how cold it is in the church, how loud the music is, couldn't find a place to park. You got it all. But you know what? Sometimes you just back up and say, God, you haven't called me to please all these people. Help me to remember my job is to please you. Let me please you. Amen. In his book, Lyrics, songwriter and producer Oscar Hammerstein II tells of seeing a picture of the Statue of Liberty that was taken from a helicopter. The photo showed the top of the statue's head, and Hammerstein was impressed with the detail and excellence the sculpture had taken to complete a portion of the statue that few eyes would ever see. He was artist enough, wrote Hammerstein, to finish off this part of the statue with as much care as he had devoted to her face and her arms and the torch and everything that people can see as they sail up the bay. Michelangelo, painting in some obscure corner of the Sistine Chapel, was asked by one of his helpers why he lavished such attention on a part of the ceiling that no one would ever see. And he replied, God will see. (laughs) Whatever we do, we should be doing for God. One way you can practice the habit of working diligently for the Lord is to simply pause throughout the day and look up and remind yourself that God sees everything you do. Then return to whatever you were doing and give it your all, knowing that God is watching and he's worth working with diligence to please. Look around, whatever you do. Look within, do it heartily. Look above as to the Lord and then look ahead. You will receive the reward. That brings us to the best part, looking ahead. The same God who has given us everything we need for a life of goodness and godliness is going to reward us for living our lives that way. My life verse ends by saying, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. This is the same reward Peter mentions as he wraps up his paragraph in 2 Peter 1. Peter commands believers to add one quality after another to their lives, and then he makes this word, and he says, if you do that, an entrance will be supplied abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He wasn't saying you will get to heaven by doing all of these things, but he says you'll go to heaven like a lot of other people won't. You'll go to heaven with your hands up high. You'll go to heaven with a sense of victory because you've lived the way God has called you to live. And I believe that's living with diligence. Back when Elvis Presley was in his heyday, he hired a bodyguard named Sonny West. Sonny West served with him all the days that Elvis was around, and he gave him all the energy he could muster. Sonny broke into the king's inner circle and became part of what was known as the Memphis Mafia. Elvis was the best man at Sonny's wedding, and the two were best friends. Sonny even appeared in a movie with Elvis Presley. But then Elvis died, and Sonny's life began to spiral downwards. He and his wife battled cancer, faced foreclosure because of mounting medical bills. He eventually began selling all of his Elvis Presley memorabilia, including the jewelry Presley gave him. He said, I don't want to leave my family behind. I just feel very depressed. Inside Edition, which reported this story months before his death in 2017, said, Sonny West once rode Elvis Presley's coattails to fame as his best friend and bodyguard. But decades later, the glitz and the glamour has faded away. 
And this story provides a tremendous contrast for me and for you. Here was this man who served the king with all of his heart. But the experience ended and the glitz evaporated and the glory faded. On the other side, I have a king I'm serving with all my heart. And you know what? Let me tell you something. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. All of us who live full throttle for Jesus Christ, all of us who diligently advance from glory to glory, all of us who do whatever we do heartily to the Lord will receive our reward from an eternal inheritance with God. And there will be no end to the hallelujahs and no end to the joy and no end to the fellowship with Jesus and no end to the days of our lives or the answers to our prayers, no end to our passion and purpose. For even in heaven, his servants will serve him. So I hope you're getting the message that living the Christian life isn't something you do halfway. It's something you do with all your heart, with all that you've got. Live for Jesus Christ. Don't make excuses. Don't settle back and wait for the return of the Lord. You don't need to go find a white sheet and sit on a fence and wait for the rapture. Get out and get busy for the Lord. Amen? I want to finish my little talk today with another statement from a man that I greatly admired, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I told you he lived 57 years. And I'm so embarrassed when I read that, that he did in 57 years what he did that I wouldn't be able to do if I lived two lives of 57 years. I don't know how this man did what he did. But when he was lying on his deathbed, about to go to heaven, he wrote these words, and I want you to listen to them carefully. He said, if I have any message to give from my own bed of sickness, it would be this. If you do not wish to be full of regret when you are obliged to lie still, work while you can. If you desire to make a sick bed as soft as it can be, do not stuff it with the mournful reflection that you wasted time while you were in health and strength. People said to me years ago, Mr. Spurgeon, you will break your constitution down with preaching ten times a week and the like. He said, well, if I have done so, I am glad of it. I would do the same again. If I had 50 constitutions, I would rejoice to break them all down in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. You young men that are strong, overcome the wicked one and fight for the Lord while you can. You will never regret having done all that lies in you for our blessed Lord and Master. Crowd as much as you can into every day. Postpone no work till tomorrow. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Lavishly follow Christ with all that you are and all that you have and realize that no sacrifice can be considered too expensive, no requirement too demanding. When Jesus was asked by a lawyer to identify the most important of all the commandments, what did he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. And here's the best part. You can begin doing it right now. You say, well, I never thought about living that way, Dr. Jeremiah. Well, I just gave you a good idea. Why don't you start now? Why don't you leave here and start making a list of the ways you can start living more aggressively for the kingdom and for the glory of God? I pray that you do. Well, thank you for listening today. These are motivational, challenging messages right from the heart of the Word of God. 
I don't have to make up the motivation because it's all there. It's resonant in the truth. And when I read these words and other words like it in the Bible, I am totally set on fire and motivated to serve the Lord with all my heart. I hope that comes through and it becomes a part of your determination as well. So tomorrow we're going to talk about moral excellence. And uh, this is a part of the list that we have in Second Peter 1, 3, and 4. I hope you'll be with us as we take this next step in this chain of things that happen when we have been given everything we need. In this lesson, we'll learn how growing in the knowledge of God involves a life of discipleship tomorrow and Thursday right here on this good station. Don't forget to ask for your copy of the Mediterranean Sea Rules by Rob Morgan when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of February. We need your help, and we want to add value to your life with this wonderful writing from my good friend and fellow pastor, Rob Morgan. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. We love hearing how God uses Turning Point, so please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Mediterranean Sea Rules. It offers biblical tools for navigating life's storms, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in the App Store for Turning Point Ministries to access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Everything You Need, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. In a world that often feels overwhelming and discouraging, discover encouraging words for a discouraging world. Ten Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos, a new book by Dr. David Jeremiah. You'll discover how to face your circumstances with unwavering confidence and hope. Yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $70 or more, Dr. Jeremiah will send you his comprehensive Encouraging Word set. Request these resources at davidjeremiah.ca. The great Baptist preacher, W.A. Criswell, once said that the advantage to believing the Bible is literally true is that you don't have to remember what the Bible is supposed to mean. Mark Twain said something similar about telling the truth. He said the advantage is you don't have to remember who you told what. So whether it's words from God or words from a fellow human being, 
All of us value knowing that what we are told is the truth. In all the words you speak today, be a truth teller. With this one biblical caveat, wherever and to whomever you speak the truth, speak it in love. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life and discover God's truth on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.